you're here on episode 241. If you've tried to diet more than five times and you're still struggling with the same challenges, then it might not be just the diet piece that you need. It might be that you need to go deeper. And I know many people will roll their eyes at the idea of deep work or emotions and write it off as I don't need any of that woo-woo stuff. But if what you're doing is not working, then you have to look at your relationship with food in a different way and consider the emotions that drive your behavior, a set of behaviors that often leads you towards binge, emotional, and overeating. And usually towards all of the sugary, refined carb foods that stretch your pants and eventually lead to disease. If you want to get your head around the deeper work with your relationship with food, then this episode is for you because we have two emotional eating coaches discussing how you might begin this type of work, how to manage your food triggers, and the strategies that you can use to reprogram the hormones that lead to sugar cravings. It's juicy and full of really actionable stuff. So on the other side, you've got plenty to do. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friend? Welcome back to a bit of a different episode here today. It's more of a uh, casual chit-chat vibe, more so than an interview or one of ye old Maddie Ruins Everything rants. (laughs) What we've got today is a conversation I had with a close friend of mine and colleague named Danielle Dame, who's been on the podcast before. And we did this over on her show called Beyond Sugar Freedom. Now, why is this worth listening to? Well, because Danielle and I not only know each other really well, and that always makes the conversation a little more fun, but we're both emotional eating coaches. And this is the first time we've ever sat down and discussed our philosophies and methodology with one another and discovered that there's some locations in which we disagree, which could be quite juicy to listen to. (laughs) And despite being friends for four years, it's pretty shocking that we've never actually sat down and had a conversation like this. And you'll learn why in this episode. There's lots of things to learn and there's lots of good stuff that ties in with my 2023 mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. Links to get involved in that are in the show notes below. So without further ado, here is emotional eating and sugar freedom coach Danielle Dame and myself going deep on emotional eating and sugar addiction. Okay, so we want to have this really deep conversation, right? About emotional eating. And um, Maddie, you and I both specialize in this area and helping women um, with emotional eating and overcoming emotional eating. And this is something that we've wanted to talk about for years and we never have. Mm -hmm. So we're doing it and we're doing it like raw and uncut and we have no idea what's going to happen here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm so glad we're talking about it. And I think as we've kind of, we've, we spend a lot of time together, you know, off recording podcasts, but when, you know, the, my thing was evolving, I guess my services and products were evolving. I, I kept, as we talked about, kept being like, oh no, Danny's going to think I'm coming into her space and trying to steal her business and her clients. And, and I felt, cause it was always a part of what I did. It's just the way that I articulated it to, to the masses, to the listeners is the thing that changed. And so I think maybe that probably drove, uh, I don't want to talk to Danny in case she says, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. So for a little backstory for everybody listening who doesn't know this, Maddie and I, how long have we known each other now? Like four years? 
four or five years. Yeah. Four or so years. We met on a summit eons ago and we have since mm-hmm. just hit it off as, as awesome friends. And even though we've never met in person, which totally mm. blows my mind, we will, we will, we have plans, everybody. We have plans. Stay tuned for some sort of in-person photo um, <laughs> within the year. Can you hold us to that? 12 months. Like we've got a goal. <laughs> Yes. Um, but yeah, we've we've known each other and become like really close friends. We've supported each other through some like really shit, <laughs> some mm. big stuff emotionally and with our families and just all sorts of stuff. And now we have the pleasure of masterminding together. So for I don't know, has yeah. it been has it been a year yet? Not quite. We have an, a couple others in the group and we meet every week actually and co-work together and and um once a month we do a deep dive mastermind together with a couple others and mm-hmm. it's been really fun and i i definitely consider you one of my close friends and it just boggles my mind that we've never had this conversation <laughs> and yeah we do like we talk often about how your program is has some overlap and is very similar to my program and how i work with my clients but we've mm-hmm. never actually like hashed it out so i'm like really curious and we thought why don't we just record this and share this with all everybody who wants to listen too so I'm really curious, like your approach to emotional eating and yeah, how you work with clients, how it, how, how that all unfolds. So I don't know where, Mm -hmm. where we want to start, maybe like starting with the basics and like, what is emotional eating to you? Right. And maybe like, why are we emotional eaters? And then I'll share my bits and we'll go back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. Um, All right. So what is emotional eating to me? So to me, emotional eating is eating for any reason that is not nutritional requirement. If we were to put a textbook definition on it, it would look something like that, which then begs the question um, that a lot of people are unaware of, which is at what point am I eating for emotions and not nutritional requirement? Because a lot of people don't have the awareness that they're emotional eaters. I've had a lot of people come through my program for the nutritional aspect and being like, I never would have called myself an emotional eater until I did your program. And so, yeah, in a nutshell, I would just say that, yeah, it's for any reason that's not nutritional, biological requirement of operating your body, putting food in would yeah come under some kind of other motivating factor that drives you to eat, which could be social, which is fundamentally emotion. You might feel any type of emotion, stress, obligation, shame, you know, not involving yourself in Friday night drinks because your friends are giving you shit for that. FOMO, FOMO is an emotion. FOMO's <laughs> huge. Like, oh, FOMO's huge with like sugar and walking totally. into the supermarket and thinking, oh, I'll do it today, but I won't do it tomorrow. But the problem is we, it's always today. It's never yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the way I view it. And then I guess on my own journey of discovery of, you know, the human body and the mind and the awareness of reality and ourselves and metacognition and, you know, the, the art of thinking of thinking. Um, like we we spend so much time on autopilot. And I think we're just so in the modern world where stresses and we were just hanging out with Karen Martell as well, talking about, you know, the, the stress of daily life in this era. Um, and it's just so much that to even get alone by yourself to check in and know how to check in, know how to identify your body, what you're feeling, your emotions, be able to label those emotions is almost a forgotten art, which is why you and I have relevance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's What about you? Yeah, no, really well said. Like I agree with every, everything you said, you know, how I would word it is, is really like, and, and I, f- I find this really exciting. I'm so excited for our conversation, obviously, because you come at coming at this with more science and research and more like mm-hmm. of that, you know, all of your amazing background. And, and I feel like my journey through this as an emotional eater myself, I know we both are, I know we both mm-hmm. talk about that, like, oh crap, I emotionally today, right? <laughs> we yeah, still do it, it guys. Newsflash. Yep. I know Maddie yep. does. I know Maddie does. And I definitely 100%. Do. 
definitely do. So yeah, it's, um, you know, for me, my journey to like understanding this has really come maybe from more of a feminine perspective and a more like experiential, maybe even like spiritual aspect as well, as I've been on my own like path of inner healing and growth and spiritual curiosity. And so like, you know, I'm coming at it from, from that sort of angle as a woman mm-hmm. as well, which is, so it's kind of cool. I just, you know, reiterating again, how excited I have to have this conversation. So, um, you know, as I do, uh, so yeah, emotional eating for me, like I would describe it exactly what you said, but I would almost mm-hmm. say it like, you know, it's, it's the, the turning to food and eating for food for any, like for any emotional response, right. Whether it's joy or sadness or depression, right. Like there's an emotional response in the body and we're using food as a coping mechanism or as something to, to heighten that sense of whatever celebration or so there's like this deep emotional connection to why we're eating. I think that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, why am I eating? Is it because my body needs fuel or is it for like, is it something else that's deeper going on? Right. That like I'm uncomfortable yeah. in my body and I don't know how to feel and, and I'm going to stuff it down with donuts and hopefully make myself feel better. Right. So yeah, I think, I think that's kind of like, that's just to add on to what you said in that. And yeah, um, I think the lines get really blurred for people too, because of the modern diet and lifestyle. So often you physically feel hungry. You do like, and, and it's because we've got these deeply entrenched habits. And I think, you know, one of the biggest factors, and I'd be super curious how you take people basically from zero to one from like interpreting their body as like, I'm hungry at this time at 7am in the morning when it's just a hardwired response, hormonal response that we, we can change quite easily. Um, or, you know, the types of foods that they eat lead to hunger. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, yeah. How do you take people from no awareness of emotions and that they're being driven by emotions to being like, oh, so I'm not really hungry? Because that's kind of confusing, right? It's like, yeah. I do feel hungry, but am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's such a good question because I do see that so much with all of my clients, there's this, this, I'm going to say the word pandemic. There's like an epidemic. Ooh. We'll say an epidemic. Sorry. Wrong word. Of that, like, yeah, that word has totally lost its value. It's totally lost all, <laughs> yeah, all meaning. <laughs> um, it's like, it really comes down to the truth that we, the society that we grew up in, I know you're in Australia, I'm in Canada. Like it's all, we're all in the like, you know, first world problems, right? So mm-hmm. what we've, we've been born into and grown up in is this world where we have been taught to disconnect from our emotional body. So mm-hmm. we are no longer connected with our physical, like let alone our physical body, but there is this actual, like very energetic network that is underlying in our body. And that's what emotions are. They're just, I love that saying, right? Emotions are energy in motion. Mm-hmm. So we've been taught to disconnect from that for various reasons that we can get into later, but that, you know, that piece, that's how I approach it is really like, we have to first start reconnecting with our body and reconnecting with and getting curious about, um, those different sensations, because you're right. It can feel like all hunger is just real hunger. And it's not, it's a very different cue in in the body. When you start to become aware of it, like, no, my stomach isn't hungry but my mind is hungry. Okay. That's emotional, right? There's something fucked up going on there. So we need to start just practicing, getting back into understanding the nuances of those, those signals in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like, am I actually hungry or is there something else going on? And how I really encourage my clients to do that. Like those who are like total ground zero Mm -hmm. is really just starting to build in the habit of pausing before they eat anything. Mm -hmm. So like just taking a pause and asking yourself, 
what's coming up in the body, not even what I'm feeling because yeah. most women, actually all my clients are so blocked from feeling anything that that question of what am I feeling right now brings up nothing because you're not feeling anything. A lot of my clients, I'm curious if you have that too, Maddie, are really just like flatlined, like, you know, not yeah. feeling too much joy, not feeling too much sadness, kind of just blah all day long. And that's very normal. If anybody here is like, is, you know, like, oh, that's me. It's very normal. This is like usually a trauma response or some sort of mm. like learned response to just like be mundane all day and not get too in connected to your emotions. So very normal. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And it, it just really takes that curiosity and that daily practice of like tuning in. So I would use m- more language, like what's coming up in my body or what sensations am I feeling in my body and helping yeah. people really start at ground level beyond like before even trying to label an emotion. Cause I don't think labeling emotion matters. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters because it's your lived experience of like that stress being tightness in the jaw and heaviness in the shoulders or like a knot in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Those are the signals that, that will help you essentially like somatically connect with what's really going on. So you can start to tell, is this real hunger or is it just like stress? Cause I'm like this, right. And my jaw is tense and stuff. So we have to start getting curious, like before you're eating, like how, what's coming up in your body. Right. And just start keeping track of that, you know, right. Start journaling it, keeping track of it. Cause we'll forget what happened yesterday. So we need to write it down and then you'll start noticing patterns, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I am eating like, and, and just bringing that awareness to checking in before you eat or drink anything will be enough to, to start building that, that deep understanding of like, what's really going on. And over even a couple of days, definitely over a couple of weeks, you'll start noticing, Oh, I'm not hungry. There's something else going on here. Yeah. Do you, what, what do you do? Does that, does any of that, is any of that stuff that you do too? Or what do you, how do you help your clients get from like zero to one? Pretty similar actually. Like, um, yeah, diary. So in the beginning, we don't really change anything. Diary. <laughs> diary. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually call it like the transformation diary. Oh, um, and that, I had and a that, diary when I was a kid. <laughs> and that component at the back is the, um, the transformation tracker. So yeah. the idea is that we don't count calories. We don't weigh food or anything like that, no. but we do write down the food we eat, like just what's on the plate, approximately not every ingredient, um, the emotion and the location. Um, and so the idea of that first couple of weeks of collecting that data is because I say, don't change anything, even though everybody's like, I'm on a health program. I feel this urge to change everything. Cause uh, you know, that's what I've done on every other diet. Um, it's really just collecting data so that people can bring themselves into their own awareness. Yeah. Um, and they're like, and people start even losing weight in that phase because they're like, whoa, I didn't know I was doing this. And they just start self-correcting, which is so much more empowering than me telling anybody what to do. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really good that they, that we go through that phase, but I, um, I, I do the same thing, have the same issue with people saying, um, I don't know what I'm feeling. And, you know, I, I sort of focus on like you women, mothers that have been surviving as mum, wife, career, entrepreneur, all the things that they're kind of flatlining to, they're numb because that's how they've had to operate as a mother to survive, to, to provide for everyone else. Um, and they're in this space of just like, this gets me through every single day, so I'll stay here. Um, and so I, I actually think progressing toward, and this might be a little point of difference for us, is that based on my understanding of uh, therapy research and psychology research is that the people that are more likely to benefit from uh, a mindset, mindset work or deep work um, is often based on their ability to intellectualize and then verbalize 
the stage of the journey that they're at. And what that looks like is being able to label emotions. Um, and like there's tools like emotion wheels and emotion spectrums that have got all the different ways that can explain how you're, you feel. But if you, are, if you only have good and bad, you could actually be making significant process, uh, progress rather from really, really bad all the way to it just feels uncomfortable today. Both of those kind of fit in the bad category, but they're enormously different in experience. And then there's irritable and frustrated. And so therapy research shows that the more words that you're able to pull out and identify where on the journey you are, the more likely you are to progress and succeed with, with healing that. So I think it's important, important. And I totally agree with the energy thing as well. In the beginning, if you can't label it, spending time with yourself, feeling in the body where you feel the feelings. Sometimes you might feel anger in your forehead or anxiety in your stomach, like, you know, starting there. And, and I've got some people too that literally just do smiley faces in the emotion box. It's like, I feel like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of that works. And I, but I think also the art of becoming literate in yourself and being like, this is pretty much exactly what it is really allows successful progress. It allows a greater level of self-awareness. And also, if you can become that literate in yourself, your relationships around you are going to improve too, because the way that you show up and communicate, because one of the the downfalls of intimate relationships is communication. It's not being able to say exactly what's going on. Um, And in my life, and I know many of my friends too, the amount of arguments that I had with you should just know what to do right. is it's an awful, it's an awful way to operate in a relationship. And that all comes down to that individual's inability to say, this is exactly what's going on for me. And here's the exact solution. And it's not always going to be perfect, obviously, but coming back to being able to, to verbalize and articulate where you are on the journey, I think has um, not just benefit to an emotional eating journey and therapy, but it, I think it's tenfold. It improves your relationships with your friends, with your family members. You attract other people in that are able to communicate on that level. And it's it's all just part of the growth. So, so yeah, that's yeah. the way I kind of come at it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes so much sense. And I'm definitely not saying, right, that there's that I don't think anybody should label emotions. I think that that mm-hmm. can definitely be helpful. Um, you know, the reason I said what I said too around that was because like what I see in my practice in a big way is that we've been, we've become so disconnected from ourselves that, and our Mm -hmm. bodies that when we, you know, I've seen this with myself and my clients, when we get so obsessed, right. This is, this is, I guess why I said that, right. To not become obsessed over needing to have a label. I've seen Mm -hmm. so many people try to like, "Ah, I can't quite label it or I can't figure it out. And then that just like makes it worse. Right. And we're starting to like, Mm -hmm. then, then judge ourselves for not being able to label an emotion or like, and and staying in our head a lot, right? This is mm-hmm. this is really where like I'm passionate about this work because an emotion is yes, there's a thought that comes after it, like of what it is mm-hmm. and being able to articulate it and label it, but it's it's an in the body experience. So yeah. we need to like start there and not necessarily spend all of our energy because our 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 desire in the society we grow up in is to just think our way through everything think our way through problems, think our way through a solution, everything. And that's not where the answers lie. Like I'm, I'm such an intuitive person and connecting with our inner wisdom and our higher self and, and like the whispers from within. And that's the more you connect with actual sensations in your body. So definitely Mm -hmm. labeling emotions can be helpful, very helpful. Right. But there's most people are not at that stage. And most people will use that as a way to just get really 
overwhelmed more in their head than they were before and mm-hmm. like continue to just try to think their way through what am I feeling versus feeling their way through what they're feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, so there's totally. a balance, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's probably an important little disclaimer to share with anyone listening is that we we're you and I are the practitioners that work with many different people and personalities. And so right now we're talking, you know, as, as two colleagues through our methodology. And so it's not about, yeah, it's definitely not about feeling judged. If you can't label it, if you can't find it, um, everyone's on a different spot of their journey. And, you know, even though the way I think about it as a practitioner is, is like, well, you know, we're at this stage of the journey. I would never verbalize it like that to someone in front of me that needed help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be like, if you can't say it's, you know, frustrated or irritable, yeah. this is, we're not making progress. You know, it's, it's not like that. Um, it's just more like introducing people to like, there's other ways to do it. And, and I do the same thing. As soon as you can't label it back into the body feelings, yeah. energy, where do you feel it? How can I, I talk a lot about downloading energy from the body because um I really think that when we've got tension in the body or we've had a fight or we've been triggered or something that if you, if just talking about it doesn't work, um, getting it out of the, the body with a pen um, or, or, you know, you could scream into a pillow, but whatever it is, physically moving something out of your body into physical reality. Like, and I, and I personally enjoy journaling, but, and it's, and I really, you've also got to, you don't just do it. You've got to attach the idea in, in the visualization of downloading in your head. So I literally imagine as I'm looking at the page writing for myself and I encourage everybody to do this, imagine like this red stuff, you know, this energy coming from wherever it is in my body out of my arm through the pen onto yeah. the paper. And it really works to, to, to move that. And so even I in my personal life do the same thing. If it's just noise in my mind, I'm just like, get it out of the body, you know? And, and then once it's out, I don't even need to label it at that point. It's gone. Right. Um, so that's, that's another strategy is that, yeah, you can come back to, yeah, just, just those feelings and where it's at. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert, such as myself. That's what we do inside the healthy mums collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it, skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Love that. Yeah, I love that one. That's so good. I had this picture of like black smoke because I've done a lot of visualizations of that before, like getting the black smoke out, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
let it out. I just learned about rage writing a while ago and that was a super helpful tool for me a few months ago. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, well, in many cases for me, that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. That's really, it sounds like that's what's happening, but are you like ripping it and then burning it? Like I went all out. Like it was, it was hardcore. It was so great. <laughs> was I'm definitely so great. not. Well, my, my thought is that, that my journal that I, and, and I share this with clients too, is that like, if you're putting your deepest stuff in here, you want to go and buy a nice journal. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Like I love the feel of mine. I spent a bit of money on mine and like, you know, it's got my initials on it in boast. Uh, oh yeah. It's like, it's, it's sacred, right? You're pouring your, the deepest parts of your soul into this that you hope probably nobody ever reads yeah. Um, because it's totally out of context and they might think you're a raging monster. Um. <laughs> Don't read. I would love to read your diary. Oh my God. <laughs> I tell my clients like- at the start of every program, like go invest in a beautiful journal. Like you want this to yes. be something that you like energetically want to have with you all the time. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I love that. No, I've, I totally feel the same. So, so yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, I feel like we're okay. in the same ballpark for sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. So <laughs> I, I love this question. Cause like, I kind of like, I want to, I want to talk about this. So I'm going to ask it to you. <laughs> um, you know, why do you think we are emotional eaters? Like, where do you think, like, I'm such a big fan of like root cause awareness, right? Like, why do you think this is a thing? Like why, like I, my opinion is like, you know, 80, 90% of humans are, well, I think we all actually know hundred percent of humans are emotional eaters. Like we all have some sort of emotional connection oh, to food and yeah. some reaction. So like, why do you think that is? Where does that come from? I think that's a multi-layered answer because just as you corrected and went, went to a hundred percent, it yeah. made me think of like tribes, right? Tribes have co- like food culture built into them, even though 99% of the year they hunt and do all of the things that they used to do back in the day just for survival. They do have festivities and rituals where they, you know, go and kill a bunch of animals and feast. And that, that you know, at some point that becomes an emotional uh, social gathering connection type thing, which we still do today, obviously. We catch up over food. We have big events that are based around food. Um, and But I guess, yeah, getting to like why, I think the reality is we do have first world problems. Um, and that is the fact that, food is super available. And when we're stressed, traumatized, hurt, broken, any of the uncomfortable, aka negative emotional experiences, the body and your brain and your hormones are seeking balance. And to seek that balance, we've got cortisol and adrenaline maybe that are high in response to any uncomfortable emotion because it's a stress on the body. And the counter to that would be your serotonin and your dopamine, which is your happy hormones. And so the, the brain is fantastic in the sense that we've solved millions and millions of problems over millions of years to get to this amazing first world that we've got in 2022. But the, the brain also doesn't have a bias as to the problems that it solves. It, it just goes, what is the fastest way to, lo- to increase dopamine and lower cortisol? The fastest, way, yeah, the fastest way to do that is sugar. Um, and, and then it automates that process. And so going back to the emotions, it's really important for people to realize that once you identify yourself as an emotional eater, that's a symptom. Once we identify the emotion, that emotion is still a symptom. Yeah, It's still not the cause. It's still not the cause. And so I have an exercise called the Y times five, which is just the title. Sometimes it's Y times three. Sometimes it's Y times 27. Um, but it's basically just the perpetual peeling of the onion to find the core thing. And the core thing could be a childhood trauma, could be having kids and just being in survival mode for the last 10 years. It could be literally you've just been programmed for 40 years by a billion dollar industry that's designed to program you in a certain way. So I think 
yeah, I think the natural state of the brain is to find uh, the fastest way to a solution possible. And when we have something that's not just emotionally addictive, but actually cellularly and biologically addictive, the brain is like, it's a low barrier to entry solution to the problem in the short term. We obviously know it's not in the long term, otherwise you and I wouldn't need to exist. Um, But I think that's why, you know, accompanied with there's a social aspect to it, there's a cultural aspect to it, which I think both of those are actually okay because it connects us as a community. It's all of the additional snacking and self-punishment and and surviving outside of that emotional eating um, that is the unhelpful stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you really brought up something interesting there too, because that could be a good like side tangent, you know, around like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that food shouldn't bring you joy or food shouldn't be enjoyable Mm. or like, I think it's more like, you know, how we're using it on the front end, you know, and like, is this getting, am I overeating every day because I'm using it for an emotional crutch, right? Versus like, yeah, I'm, I'm at a wedding and I'm enjoying the food and like, it's Christmas dinner and we're like enjoying food together. And it's really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Like food should be an enjoyable experience. I think we have so much like, oh my God, we have so much food fear and shame that it's like Mm -hmm. sitting down to have a meal or like, eating a piece of bread is like, Oh my God, I'm a horrible person as we're like putting it in our (laughs) mouth. And like, how is that helping? Right? Like it's not just eat the bread, enjoy it. Like that's my opinion. Totally. totally. And I I really believe in the idea that um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if somebody's beating themselves up for bread, they're beating themselves up for a lot of other things that have got nothing to do with food. Right. I have personal experience with that. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. I was, you know, um, absolutely savage and horrible to myself, which for me, when I peeled, peeled my own onion, um, yeah, it was back to childhood trauma and survival and, um, comforting myself and soothing myself. And, and I had to work through all of those issues myself. And so, which is how I came to be able to be aware of this stuff. Cause I didn't want to live the life of my grandparents and my parents and my uncles and, and the men that I was surrounded by growing up. I was like, I want a better life. Everyone seems miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we have very similar stories in that. I know we've had lots of conversations about our families and our like <laughs> upbringing and lineage and our moms. Sorry, mom, if yeah. you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that is really where it starts, right? Like mm. it's, it's so, it's so deep and entrenched and I'm assuming everybody who's wanting to listen to this, right? Like, you know, that there's obviously, you know, a way out and there's also a reason mm-hmm. that we want to not be emotional eating, right? Like it's obviously not helping, um, especially mm. when we're not emotional eating on cucumbers all day long and steak, right? Like we're emotionally eating yeah. on <laughs> chips and candy and crap and, and all those things. Well, so. And you can, you can totally overeat healthy food. You can totally emotionally eat, yeah. you know, things that, you think or feel are not as bad as sugar, you know, like there was a big conversation in my program just last night about artificial sweeteners. Um, And I said, before we talk about that, you need to make sure that two things are not happening, that you're just emotionally eating things that you believe are healthier. Um, And two, that artificial sweeteners often drive overeating because they don't actually give you the sugar the brain is expecting. So like it can kind of, you know, your, your plan to make a better move can actually kind of, fold back in on itself. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Side tangent, but yeah, Sorry, <laughs> oh God, side tangent, but yeah, we'll have to do another one on artificial sweeteners. Yeah. I, I, I do well, not agree. We know, we know you and I could basically talk forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know everybody prepare for a three hour long podcast. <laughs> we are now Joe Reagan. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think anybody would stay around for three hours? I'm curious. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, definitely let us know. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So my view on this, and I'm like really passionately believe in this because this, I've seen this in my own life and I see this now, like really I'm getting very curious. I'm learning a lot about trauma. My husband's actually doing some trauma, somatic trauma training right now. And we're just really understanding like mm-hmm. how these attachments and patterns start for all of us in the first seven years of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to emotions, like what I've seen, I always kind of share this in like a twofold way when it, when, when people ask me like, why do we emotionally eat? Like, where's this actually coming from? Number one, like we all, we all, I can say that if you have a computer or a phone and you're listening to this episode, right? Like you, you're, you're probably in this category is we've, we've been raised in a society where literally every single emotion on the emotional wheel has some sort of link to food. And usually sugar, right? Like joy, sadness, anger, frustration, like all of it is like immediately. So right when we're born, we start having these connections. We see it in advertising. We see it in the movies when the girl breaks up with her boyfriend and she's eating a tub of ice cream. Like we Mm -hmm. see it everywhere. And the second piece that I think is at the core for like a bigger piece. And this is where I really focus my work with my clients is that we have, we have never been taught. There's a rare breed of human being that has been taught this. Mm-hmm. I've never met one, but I'm sure they're out there like the unicorn, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have not been taught how to actually feel and be okay in an uncomfortable emotion. Yes. So this is huge because what is going on right now is aside from eating sugar to feel joy or celebrate things. I mean, that's obviously a different emotional piece, but I, where I feel most people are spending their time is using sugar and food to escape the difficult emotions. So why are we escaping the difficult emotions? Because they feel unsafe in our body. Why? Because we've never been taught that they're okay to feel. So right from the first time you fall down as a kid and scrape your knee and start crying. And your mom is like, Oh, stop crying. Let's go get ice cream. You immediately learn. It's not okay to cry. It's not safe to feel emotional in my household. And I need to get out of it as soon as possible. Mom's telling me to stop crying. I guess it's not safe to cry. So I need to go and get a dopamine hit or distract myself or whatever that was. Let's watch Netflix or get ice cream or whatever it is because the parent has been so uncomfortable with that emotion. So Mm -hmm. this is like, this is a huge problem because now we're adults not having any resources or tools to actually support ourselves through an emotion, right? Most kids are just sent to their room by themselves when they're angry or having a temper tantrum or they're being yelled at. Love is being taken away. We're being traumatized more and more emotionally traumatized, which when you're in that like below age 10, like that's a real trauma because you are dependent on your parents for survival. And if they don't emotionally hold space for you and support you in like, letting you cry or letting you be angry and teaching you how to actually deal with that in a healthy way. You got anger. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's go outside and like throw rocks in the lake or let's have a pillow fight or let's like, Mm -hmm. let's scream together. Right. Like let's actually like do things that are healthy instead of hitting your sister or like my Mm -hmm. husband would bite his sisters. That's a whole nother nother way of dealing with anger, but we've, we've never been given the tools. So we're now humans. Well, we're children in adult bodies. (laughs) Now, like whenever a difficult emotion comes up, which it does every day, that's part of our current reality as humans. There's a difficult emotion every single day that feels uncomfortable in the body. Our subconscious patterning goes, oh my God, get out of it as quick as possible. This isn't safe. You're not safe. This isn't safe. Get out of it. And we use this terminology and I'm curious about you because you corrected yourself with this. So I'm curious if you do this as well. Like I 
do my best to never use the word negative emotion. Because one of the beliefs that we have is that these difficult emotions aren't meant to be felt. And there's something wrong with us if we feel depressed or if we have anxiety or if we're angry, right? There's like this, they're negative. So we should never feel them. There's almost this collective belief, like we shouldn't feel these heavy emotions. And then we start guilty and shaming ourselves for feeling like shit. And it just creates this whole like emotional roller coaster that then we're like, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to binge on food. Like, forget it. Right. And yeah. it's become so subconscious now because we just do not have these tools to sit with our emotions. So that's the first thing I do stage one with my clients is like, we're going to create space for you to actually like sit. If you're sad, like you, you don't have to sit, you can like walk if you want, but like, you know, like be <laughs> with yourself and practice knowing how to support yourself. And, and yeah. actually the more we allow ourselves to feel an emotion, because that's the thing we have never allowed ourselves to feel an emotion. We've been mm -hmm. escaping our whole life. Yeah. So we need to first start feeling again. And this is the hardest part because yeah. feeling sucks. <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't suck. It's actually, I love it. Now when an emotion comes up, I'm like, yes, here come the tears. Like the, I know, cause I know that it's so healing for me and mm -hmm. that I'm releasing it and not holding it in. So, but in the beginning, it's really uncomfortable because you've never felt mm -hmm. rage or you've never felt like allowed yourself to feel depressed or anxious because we just, we've mm -hmm. never, we've never been taught that it's important and it's an important part of human health mm -hmm. and like on so many levels. Right. So yeah. that's kind of where I see it coming from in a really big way. is like these patterning that we've just never, we've never been taught number one, that we should be feeling heavy mm -hmm. emotions. It's part of the human experience, right? You can't totally. feel joy without total sadness, right. And grief and whatever. Yeah. So we have to embrace both sides and and find a way to do that so we can start feeling like safe in the body and repatterning our beliefs about that. And obviously there's a lot of work to do around that, but mm -hmm. that's, that's a big part. Yeah, totally. I think I feel, I really like the idea of using the words heavy emotions and uncomfortable yeah. emotions. Um, at the same time though, I think like a lot of people, they need clarity in their journey and it's okay to call the spade a spade, which is like, Cause when you get on the other side of the heavy emotion, you look back and you're like, that was shit. That felt yeah. terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it's uh, like, in some ways I think it, it is okay to be like, yeah, that was a negative experience that affected me in a negative way. The tool set that I've now acquired allows me to accept that as true and for it to be okay. And then transition into a place where I feel contentment or stability again. I won't, I won't say positive because we oscillate between negative and positive, right? Every uh, day. I think, yeah. And I think everybody's goal in life is really the middle, the content, okay, stable, calm type thing. So I think, yeah, I like, I like all of them. It's, it's just like a toolbox, right? Like it depends on the context. It depends on the person. Um, and, and, and I know some people that are very sort of matter of fact, it's like, you know, you want more clarity in defining what that means. Um, and, and sometimes some people can feel like those terms are vague. Other people are like, Oh, I love the flexibility of those terms, you know? Um, so, so it's a little bit like that. And I guess the other thing too, is th there's a, there's a balance of our, our nervous system that's trying to fit into society and survive. So obviously it would be ideal that we were all raised with these, um, perfect parents that allowed us to express our emotion in every moment, but try express expressing your moment at 2 PM after a, a pasta filled lunch in a corporate business meeting, because there is an aspect about this, you know, putting down, I don't know, now we use food, but like 
um, pausing and, and releasing later that yeah. is actually necessary for social function. So yeah. it's it's also we also don't want to create the next generation of spoiled brats that just scream every time they kick their toe, um, <laughs> right. irre- irrelevant of the context that they're in, right? So it's it's yeah. and that's a that's a really sort of developed skill is to be like I'm having a reaction and an experience right now, and I'm going to hit pause on it, and I'm going to create space at the end of the day, at the end of the week, whatever yeah. your life looks like, in order to let that out. And yeah. that, that's, that's like, that's kind of like almost the end of the road for like, you've got your shit together if you can do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, cause yeah, cause I guess, yeah, we're in this space where it's a lot of people have been through my program and probably yours too, and said, this has literally changed the way that I'm going to parent. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, there's, there's a balance there between being able to say, and we've got these, we were in this era as well. We've got these like personal development junkies that just go through heaps of courses and books and seminars and don't actually change themselves. They just sit in their wounding and they sit in their trauma and they're like, I'm like this because I was abused or because I had a bad partner and that's their life story. And I think anyone on a personal development journey, you gotta be careful not to get stuck there because that that's full of meaning. You get lots of meaning out of sympathy and love and connection and all those dopamine hits you're, you're sourcing from people sympathizing with you and empathizing with you and yeah. showing you that, that they pity you and stuff. So well, this is playing the victim, right? Totally. But, but I guess it's back to that. We haven't dealt with the cause. You're just getting your dopamine hits from another source. That's also not really helping the journey along. Yeah. 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 But it's just more socially acceptable. I'm doing all the, look at me. I'm doing all these courses, right? I'm yeah. working on myself. Totally. Which is, and, and that's not to judge anybody that's on the journey and maybe feeling stuck or maybe being like, none of this is working. Like it's yeah. amazing. Keep going, keep attending, keep being a yeah. part of it, but just have some self-awareness that if you're not progressing. You might need a new toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned about the like pausing. What I call that is like compartmentalizing. Right. Yeah. And that's so important. I've done that a couple of times myself over the last few months. And I'm like, oh, look at me go. And it is a skill, right? Up. Look at me. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it like, it does take a lot of practice and time oh, yeah. because you're so right. I'm so glad you brought that up. I am by no means seeing like, just go around and like throw your emotions out all day long. Right. It's that's <laughs> not how it works. Right. You're going to want to save that stuff for when you're in a safe space. I think when it comes to like releasing emotions, you have to be mm-hmm. in a safe space. So your office yeah. is probably not that. But your car is a great safe space or, you know, your home, if you can create some like alone time, I have a sauna. That's like my emotional like place to go. I'll go in there and I'll chant and I'll like just let it out, whatever needs to come out. So like find, find your safe space, right? That's really, really important. And yeah, being able to compartmentalize also on that too, like something that I've been playing around with is, and this, this sounds super bonkers when I, when I say this to my clients, but like, is, is like conscious numbing out. I call it like conscious avoidance. There's like conscious, not, not saying emotional eat, but like I say, I'll use Netflix for this. So as Maddie knows intimately, like I'm dealing with some, some father stuff, some father wounds. And I'm like working through a lot of big emotions and childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. And like in that process, you know, I've really acknowledged, like sometimes when you're working through something big, it can become all consuming and you can just be like Mm -hmm. depressed all the time for weeks and like heavy and sad or whatever's coming up. So I believe that it's actually more loving and supportive for yourself in those times when you're actually working through some big stuff to give mm-hmm. yourself a mental, emotional pause. So this yeah. is where like I gift myself the time. Like I, I did, I like, I did some big crying and work and releasing for like a good two hours. And then I was like, fuck it. I need to watch some Netflix. And I took a break, watched some Netflix. I gave myself a little pause and mm-hmm. then shut it off and then went for a walk and continued like helping myself process. So it was like, 
sometimes we just need that, that like, it's okay if you do that consciously, most people aren't at that stage. So I probably shouldn't even mention that. Like that's when you, when you're there and you know, right. Like this is all about committing and knowing that you're going to come back to it, that, Hey, I'm not done with this thing yet, but I'm going to take a bit of a pause and like distract myself in some healthy way. That's, you know, maybe not overeating. Right. Yeah. And then come back to it, but come back to it. That's the important part. This isn't about like ignoring it or leaving it for a year. Like this is like, I, I need to come back and continue processing through this stuff. So, um, yeah. you know, that's kind of something that I, that I throw in there too. Like what I can numb out. I thought I wasn't supposed to numb out, but I think, I think there's a way to do it like intentionally and in a way that's actually for self-love, right. And a, and a mental break. Yeah. I, and I think it's actually, uh, it's not a, like a tool that people, should necessarily use all the time. But as you get like along that journey, you should be able to decide when it's an appropriate tool to use. Like my partner has just said something that's really offended me, but the kids are here. Right. Right. And, and so it's, it's, it's a really good tool to be like, okay, we've got to make time for that later, but there's a situation going on right now. That's of more importance that can't be witness or um, victim to whatever wants to come out of me right now. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's a really good tool for self-management and practicing that like, what does, what actually, what is going to come out of me right now is not going to represent me. And so that's another reason it's really good too, because I find that myself is that I need, you know, if I was in a really difficult conversation where I was getting angry and it takes a lot to get, get me angry, but if I'm getting there, I I challenge accepted, (laughs) challenge accepted, (laughs) but for me, like I need to be like, this needs to stop. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to take five minutes because what's about to come out doesn't actually represent how I feel like, and it doesn't actually represent, it it represents a part of my ego that wants to hurt back um, and wants to defend and wants to protect. And that's not all of me, right? All of me thinks considers all of those thoughts and then comes up with a conclusion um, of like, this represents all of us, you know, all the people in my head, I mean, <laughs> um, cause I'm clinically insane, but, um, but do you know what I mean? So a lot of the times that initial numbing out might be a good tool to be like, I'm going to numb out right now with Spotify and a podcast listening to us, um, or, you know, whatever it might be, because I need to calm down before I think rationally about responding to this trigger. Yeah. I'm, I love that you mentioned that. Now we're kind of talking about like conscious communication in a way, yeah. right? Like, but it, it, well, because yeah. now we're totally going to get off on a tangent because this is totally <laughs> what people do is, and I used to do this. This has been a big piece of my work over the last five mm-hmm. years is like responding in the moment to a trigger, right? When you're emotionally charged, you are never going to be a good communicator. Worst communication ever, never, ever, ever. But this is how, like, this is how I was raised. This is how, like, my family still communicates. It's, it's actually a big, like, difficult thing with my brother because he just says it how it is. And I'm like, whoa, like, one of the practices that I've really been working through is like actually consciously taking a pause. Cause I know when I reply to anything in an emotionally triggered state, which is only because they've stepped on a wound of mine right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is where we take personal responsibility for our own emotions, by the way, mm-hmm. nobody made you feel anything. You're feeling something because of a past trauma or your own shit. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So dealing with that is really important, important in any like deep relationship. Like you want it, well, any relationship you want to step back, like be aware enough to know like, whoa, I'm triggered. I mm-hmm. need some time alone. I'm going to go and like support myself with this and maybe journal about like, what, what the heck was so triggering about that? Like, 
Why did that, what did that bring up for me? I mean, that's what I do now in my relationship. Like we're very aware, like when one of us is triggered, that's our own shit and we need to go and like Mm -hmm. work it out. And then we can come together and debrief. Like, okay, what, what happened there? Like this actually Mm -hmm. happened. It was yesterday, the day before something came up between Ben and I, and it was like, Oh, let's unpack that later. Go write that down. Let's unpack it later. Like you go figure Mm -hmm. that out and we'll talk about it later. Cause you know, we, we see this as such a different, different way of communicating and being when we can own our own emotional responses and use that as a tool to be curious about our own healing and why that triggered us. And best tool ever in those situations is to give yourself space. Like you just said, so I'm so glad you brought that up. Like take 24 hours. You do not have to respond to a phone call or a text message or an email immediately. People don't know this. People like need permission for this. Like, I feel like we need to give people permission for this. You don't have to respond right away. Now we're going to yeah, talk about right. healthy boundaries, but that's another podcast. <laughs> like, Well, I was just about to mention boundaries because even though it might sound like we're on a tangent about relationship communication, how you do anything is how you do everything. And totally. this, this comes back to conscious communication with your inner self, with those other voices in your head that you're pushing down with um, cookies, with donuts, with that type of thing. And that initial reaction for most people that we're talking about in this conversation is walk to the pantry, walk to the fridge, walk to the cafe. And which, which if you translated that into an argument with a partner would be saying the stuff you don't mean. Right. Right. So it's like going and punishing yourself with food only to later regret it because just like you would, if you threw threw a plate at your partner in the kitchen and be in the comeback. Yeah. Which, and you come back two hours later and you're like, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that, right? Yeah. So it's it's the same thing. Self-literacy and the way you communicate with self, it, it rolls out to the world yeah. around you, the people around you. So it's it, it's all relevant. Yeah. I think, I believe, this is coming to me now, but I believe, I truly believe that like any decision or comment you make in a triggered state is going to be more harmful for you, right? Like this yeah. is the worst thing to do. This is like, any thought or decision that comes up when you know you're emotionally triggered or anything you want to say to someone or even yourself, like stop, stop it because it's going to be like the opposite of what you actually want to do or say, right? Like it's just the ego rearing up, trying to like just protect yourself, right? It's a protection mechanism mm-hmm. or safety mechanism, like defend yourself or get your, be heard and seen, like all these patterns that we all are are working on, right? Like Mm-hmm. So that pause is so powerful. Like the power of just, just taking a step back is, is pretty, it's pretty grown up, it's pretty adult, it's super grown up, super grown up. <laughs> Your little child self would be super proud. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. So good. Okay. So you were asking me a question before, uh, before we started chatting Maddie about like, and I thought it was really good. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, um, on the, like the difference between emotional eating and sugar addiction. You know, a lot of people are like, what, how are they the same? And obviously, you know, both of, both of us work with that in our courses, right? We help people get off the junk and, and get off the emotional eating roller coaster. So like, are they the same? Are they different? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good question. Whenever I get this question and I had it, I think yesterday on a podcast too. um, I think about uh, Bitten Johnson answering that question when I asked her, um, and she's basically the world's leading development person of the addiction protocols around sugar. And she said, the therapists are going to see it as emotional eating. The addiction experts are going to see it as addiction. Um, so they're all looking at the same problem. But I think if we were to pathologize it a little bit for comprehension's sake, it would be everyone that describes himself as a sweet tooth, is probably addicted to sugar, probably emotionally eating. Both things are simultaneously happening at the same time. The person, the odd person in the group that's like, yeah, you can not touch sugar, 
Like I can not eat chocolate for a month and it doesn't mean anything. I can have a, I can have one square of a block of chocolate and leave it in the cupboard for a month. Like that's the one person in the group. And they're usually a very small minority that is not addicted to sugar. Doesn't mean they're not emotionally eating though. However, yeah. I would say addicts are definitely emotionally eating. Right. So, but in the other direction, it's different. So yeah, I would say there's not much difference unless we're looking at that tiny group of people that can just go without sugar. They're just the only few that are not addicted. <laughs> Those people that everybody hate, right? <laughs> like, how are you doing that? <laughs> they must be the spawn of the devil. <laughs> they must be from another planet. Who are you? <laughs> how do we get your DNA? Yeah. <laughs> they could just, they could just be compensating though. They could still be emotionally eating with all totally. sorts of other food. They could totally. be, you know, still have obsessive thoughts and maybe they're that person because they're orthorexic. They're hyper obsessed with body image and got body image issues yeah. and yeah. disordered eating is still a thing. So there's just a tremendous amount of crossover. Yeah. Or they're saying, I get this a lot, like, I don't eat sugar. I could take it or leave it, but man, give me a bag of chips and I'm in it. And I'm like, that's, uh, yeah. that's the same. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. let's be clear. That's the Potatoes same. Potatoes are carbohydrates. Yes. Yeah, that's the same thing. Everybody just sorry to burst anybody's bubble out there. It was like, I'm healthy. Are you popcorn and chips? Um, well, so the other thing in 2022 is that once upon a time, the question sweet or savory was a legitimate question. Yes. Now it's not sugar is in abundance in everything. And now it's like, are you sugar or sugar and salt? So this conversation, pretty juicy, right? Well, it's so juicy and flowing that it ended up going for a couple of hours. As you heard, we're trying to give Joe Rogan a run for his money. <laughs> so what I've done is actually split this into two parts because, well, we've all got lives. Uh, and so this is part one and part two will be coming out as part of episode 243, where we discuss alternative sweeteners, why celebrating positive progress is shunned in society and why we need to flip that script, uh, managing your emotions during the time that the chaos is actually happening. And that's quite an advanced tool that we get into, but we all need to get better at doing it. Uh, and also how to develop practices of being present with your food. Oh, and Danny and I have a couple of confessions of our own that you might get a bit of a giggle at. So if you've enjoyed this episode and you want a friend to know about it or a family member or anybody that you think can benefit from this conversation, please share it with them so that we can begin helping them to begin their journey of up-leveling and changing their life and improving their relationship with food. And between now and then, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.